Hello, ladies. Hello and welcome to our first day of our spring, our winter spring semester of Women in the Word 2021. We've been waiting for 2021. I am Deb Haygood. I'm part of the Women in the Word teaching team, and it is my great joy and privilege to be here with you today. And so I want to welcome you. Welcome. Welcome back to those of you that are coming back to Women in the Word that were here last semester or maybe years in the past. And a really big welcome to those of you who are coming to Women in the Word for the very first time. Thank you so much for being a part of our study. I'm so excited to be here studying God's Word together with you, and I appreciate you so much because I know this is not really easy to get online and to do all this remotely. So I just thank you so much for being a part of our study this semester, 2021. Now, we've all been waiting for 2020 to end and 2021 to begin. We've been looking forward to that. I've been looking forward to it because of this Bible study, but we've been looking forward to 2021 in general. And a friend sent me some, uh, which I thought I would read at the end of 2020, some things to consider as 2020 ended. And I thought they were pretty funny. I thought I would read those today, um, maybe a little bit better uh, than our New Year's resolutions, because by this time, some of those have gone by the wayside. I mean, seriously, who thought I could really give up sugar? So, all right, let's look at uh, this. There's 12 of them. I'm only going to read six of them. And the first one says, in 2019, we were told, stay away from negative people. In 2020, stay away from positive people. In 2020, the world did seem upside down. Old folks were sneaking out of the house and their kids were yelling at them to stay indoors. Um, this is true. I know this from personal experience. And here's my friend's favorite. This morning, I saw a neighbor talking to her dog. It was obvious she thought her dog understood her. I came into the house and told my cat. We laughed a lot. Now, some of you are laughing, but I know you bought pets during 2020 just for this reason. I never thought the comment, I wouldn't touch him with a six-foot pole, would become a national policy. But here we are. You know, social distancing, I've been thinking about words and those two words, and it's interesting how we've put those together, and everybody now understands social distancing, even little kids. And here's my favorite, never in a million years could I have imagined I would go up to a bank teller wearing a mask and ask for money. I don't know if some of you thought that, but it was uh, sort of humorous when you, first time I walked up to the bank and there on the door was a big sign, mask required. Who ever thought we'd see that? And here is the last one. The dumbest thing I ever bought was a 2020 planner. 2020 planner. They may have started off with many plans, but pretty quickly, most of us, we just had a lot of blank pages. But if you have a 2021 planner, you can put in there women in the word every week from now until the end of April, because we are going to be here. We will have small groups. Um, a lot of those will be by Zoom, but I just want to encourage you, you can form relationships and friendships in a Zoom group. So hang in there. And we're going to have study questions. Those three pages of questions every week that go over the scripture that we're studying. And if you got your packet of questions, you saw that map in the front of it. And I just want to say, pull that map out and use it as you go through the scripture this semester. It will help you greatly. And you will have an opportunity to discuss those questions in your small group. Uh, 
we need your thoughts. We need each other's thoughts. The Holy Spirit inspires us and gives us understanding as we read through the scripture. And we need to share that with each other. So we need your thoughts. Come and share in small group. And then every week we will have a teacher up here, part of the Women in the Word teaching team with a lesson tying those verses together. And that will be coming to you online. You want to be a part of this study this semester because we are looking at the Gospel of John. John, John tells us in this Gospel the good news of Jesus Christ who brings us light and love and life, life eternal and life abundant. Today, I'm gonna give you some background information on the Gospel of John. I think it will help us understand it better as we read and study through it this semester. And then we're also gonna look at the first 18 verses of chapter one of John, and this is called the prologue. And in this prologue, the author highlights the insights and truths that we will find in the Gospel of John. This prologue is really a summary of the whole book of John. It's a synopsis of what we will be learning this semester. But first I want to talk to you about the title of this study, Jesus the Word. It comes from chapter 1, verse 1, where it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, the Word. Now I want to tell you a story. I have a very clear memory of being a little girl. I was about six years old. It was the end of first grade. We had gone to visit my grandparents and my dad was bragging about how I had learned to read. So my grandfather said, well, Debbie, let's hear you read chapter one of John. So we get out our Bibles and I begin reading uh, John chapter one. And I remember reading this verse and thinking, in the beginning was the word and the word was God. And I remember clearly thinking, what does that mean? What is the word? But I didn't say anything. I didn't ask anyone. And so many years later, in fact, now, mind you, I have been to church every Sunday in between this time. I have been reading um, through the Bible. But as a freshman in college, I was in a Bible study. And I can remember being in that Bible study. And we were studying John and our teacher read John 1, 1. Glenda Fontenot was her name. And I can remember her saying, the word here refers to Jesus. The word is Jesus Christ. My eyes got as big as saucers, I'm sure, because I thought, wow, that is what the word means. The word is referring to Jesus. And so if there's any of you out there that um, may be wondering that same thing, I just want to tell you right up front, the word here is referring to Jesus Christ. Jesus is the word. Now that's a lofty title. In fact, J. Vernon McGee says, the word is one of the highest and most profound titles of the Lord Jesus Christ. To determine the exact meaning is not easy. What does that mean? Jesus is the word. We're gonna be talking about that, thinking about it all semester. We know words are important. Words make up our language. You, we use words to communicate with each other, to gain information to give information, to ask questions, to explain ourselves, to reveal things about ourselves, what we're thinking, what we're wanting, what we're feeling. In fact, a well-known phrase that parents use with their children today is, use your words. Many of you have probably said that. I can remember uh, when my granddaughter Finley was very little, she was probably about two and a half, she was young, and she was crying and upset, 
and my beautiful daughter-in-law went over to her. She's an excellent mom. She kind of bent down and looked at Finley and she said, use your words. <laughs> and I kind of, I think, stopped and thought, whoa, let's see how that's going to work. And so Finley stopped crying and she crossed her arms. And after a second, she said, well, I'm just frustrated. And I think I started laughing um, and had to leave the room, but I thought frustrated. That's a big word for a two-year-old. But we knew exactly how Finley was feeling. She had revealed herself to us with her words. So one meaning of Jesus the Word is he reveals God the Father. He communicates who God is. Jesus is the language of God. We're going to talk more about that in a little bit, but let's get some background information to the Gospel of John first. The Gospel of John was written by John. Now, there are several Johns in the New Testament, and this is the John who is one of the 12 disciples of Jesus. Sometimes we call them the 12 apostles of Jesus. We learned about who Jesus is from other books in the New Testament. And in your discussion questions today, you read about John. He's the son of Zebedee. He has an older brother, James, who was also one of the 12 apostles. They were fishermen like their father, and they lived up north in Galilee, and they fished in the Sea of Galilee. And in the beginning, Jesus called these brothers, James and John, sons of thunder. Sons of thunder, it makes us think that John could be loud and unpredictable, like thunder, quick to anger. And we know that's true because in the book of Luke, chapter 9, starting with verse 41, 51, we have this story of John. The, the John and the disciples and Jesus, they were going to go into a town, but the town would not receive them. And so John looks at Jesus and says, should I call fire down from heaven to consume them? Sort of angry. Of course, Jesus said no. But the, at the end of Jesus' ministry, John is transformed by the power and the love of Jesus. He's transformed from this impetuous proud, angry guy to a man who is humble and totally committed to following Jesus. He loves Jesus. John becomes known later as the apostle of love. John is part of that close inner circle of Jesus, um, Peter, James, and John. And so he is part of the group that goes up for the transfiguration of Jesus. We also see John at the cross when Jesus is crucified. John is also in the book of Acts alongside Peter. He's helping the body of believers to become the church. John outlives the other apostles by many years. And so when he writes the book of John, he is an elderly man. And he also writes uh, the letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and his last book that he writes, Revelation. Now, he probably wrote this around 90 A.D., while the other three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they were written much earlier, around 50 to 60 AD. So that would have been about 30 years earlier. So the Gospel of John is quite different. In fact, we would say this Gospel is unique. John writes, so the reader would understand the meaning of Jesus' words and actions. And as with the other Gospels, Jesus is the subject of John. It is all about Jesus. But each gospel presents Jesus in a different light to a different audience. Matthew presents Jesus as the king, and he writes it to the Jewish people. 
pointing out Jesus is the Messiah, the one that you've been waiting for and looking for. He's the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies. In Matthew, we see lots of Old Testament verses. Matthew's genealogy of Jesus begins with Adam because Adam, we know, we studied this last semester, Adam's 12 great grandsons and their families become the nation Israel, the Jewish people. Matthew emphasizes also King David in that genealogy. From the, Jesus is from the tribe of Judah. He is from the line of King David. In Matthew's gospel, we see the story of the kings bringing those three gifts to worship the newborn king. In Mark, Mark's gospel, he presents Jesus as servant and sacrifice. And the key verse in the book of Mark is on your verse sheet, Mark 10, 45. Look at that. It says, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is Jesus speaking. The gospel of Mark is action packed. He has no genealogy. He just begins right first chapter with Jesus ministry and he moves quickly to the last week of Jesus' life and his crucifixion and his resurrection. And then we have Luke. Luke's gospel presents Jesus as the son of man. Jesus identifies with humanity and all its weaknesses and brings salvation. Luke's gospel emphasizes the compassion of Jesus for the weak and the sick and the poor and the needy and the weary and the humble. Luke gives us the story of the humble shepherds coming to worship Jesus, worship Jesus at his birth. Since Jesus is the savior for all humanity, the genealogy Luke presents goes all the way back to Adam, the first man. And that brings us to John. And John wants us to know without a doubt, Jesus is God. Jesus is God. So we have Matthew, the king, we have the servant and sacrifice, we have son of man. And now John presents Jesus as the son of God. Jesus, fully human, is also fully God. Jesus, God the Son, took on flesh and came to earth to live among us. The purpose, the goal of John's gospel is written very clearly, stated very clearly in John chapter 20, verse 31. And now on your verse sheet, let's begin with verse 30. It says this, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. <clears throat> Jesus is God. Without a doubt, he wants us to know that. And so everything John includes in this gospel is so that you may believe and have life, life eternal and life abundant right now. As you study John, look for the three ways, the three strategies John uses so that we may believe. And the first one is miracles. John calls them signs. And John records only eight miracles of Jesus with the purpose that you might believe Jesus is God and he came for you. He cares for you. Second strategy, conversations. Jesus is called the word and he uses many words in the book of John. We see Jesus having lots of conversations and discussions 
They're important conversations. Sometimes they're intimate, one-on-one conversations. He has conversations with friends and conversations with his disciples and conversations and discussions with his enemies. All kinds of conversations with all kinds of people. And then the third strategy John uses is witnesses. Sometimes I think John seems like an attorney the way that he uses witnesses to back up, to testify to the claim Jesus is God. Look for witnesses. We're going to look at our first one in just a minute. But I want to give you a little uh, spoiler alert. Be looking for Nathaniel, Martha, Thomas. Look for those witnesses that claim Jesus is God. So with that background, let's look at John 1, 1 through 18. And we're going to begin with verses 1 and 2. So chapter 1 of John. Read with me uh, together. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So John presents Jesus as the Word. And the Word in the Greek is logos. To the Greeks, they would understand it to mean a person's speech, an expression of thoughts, or it could mean a philosophical term conveying the rational principle that governed the universe. It's a philosophy. To the Jewish people, the word is the source of God's message to his people. They would have known the prophets spoke his word. We see that all through the Old Testament. On your verse sheet, I have Hosea 1.1. This is one of the prophets. It says here, the word of the Lord that came to Hosea. He was one of the minor prophets. The Jewish people also would have known that the word was God's law. It was his standard of holiness. We see that in Psalm 119.11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And the Jewish people would have known that God's word is powerful. It brings life and healing and hope, and it lasts forever. The prophet Isaiah tells us that in chapter 40, verse 8. He says, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. And for both the Jews and the Greeks, Logos had the idea of beginnings. And this is how John starts his presentation of Jesus the word in the beginning. That must have made the Greeks kind of lean in a little closer, Hmm, the beginning. And the Jews would have thought, wow, that sounds a lot like the first verse in Genesis, in the beginning. John writes this gospel for the Greeks and for the Jews and for you and for me. He writes this gospel for all people, for all of us. And he wants us to know this very first thing in verse one, In the beginning was, was. That word is so important. The word already was. The word already existed before the beginning. Before the beginning. Millions, trillions, billions, quadrillions of years before the beginning, the word was. The word wasn't created. It always was. The word is eternal. And then it says the word is with God. So we know we've said word refers to Jesus. Jesus is separate. He is distinct from God, the father. And yet John wants us to know the word was God. Jesus is God. And this is the first point. The word is eternal God. The word is eternal and the word is divine. Let's look at verse three. 
Verse 3 says, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. The Word is the Creator. He is the agent of creation. All things are made through Him, along in relation with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And we know from Genesis 1 that He spoke it into being. He made something from nothing by His Word. You know, verse after verse in that first chapter of Genesis says, He spoke and it was. He spoke and it was. He said this and it was. I've got some examples on your verse sheet. Genesis 1-3 says, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And then verse 9 says, And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. He made everything. And then he also, in his creation, brought order from chaos. And we see that in Genesis 1-2. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. Before Jesus began that creation, everything was kind of chaotic, formless, void. And his creation brings order from chaos. And today, if your life is feeling a little chaotic, Jesus can bring order from that chaos today. Everything came into being through the word, Jesus, and everything ultimately depends on him. Now we know that it's in the New Testament in several different places, but one of them is in Colossians chapter one. Paul tells us this in verses 16 and 17. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Look over to the dash, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. Jesus, the word created all life and he sustains all life. Let's go on and look at verse four. In him was life and the life was the light of men. So now we see two more aspects of the word. The word is life. Now, let me say real quickly here, um, if you looked at your outline, you see that uh, there are eight truths that I found about the word in these verses. And you may not remember all of them, but if you can remember one of them, if there's one that touches your heart, if there's one of these truths that brings you closer to the Lord Jesus, that helps you to know him better, then remember that one. So we're, here we have the word is life and light. They're closely related. The word has created all things and in him is life. The word brings life to all living things, physical life and also spiritual life for those who believe, eternal life and abundant life. The word is life and the word gives life as a gift through belief in him. You know, life is a major theme in the Gospel of John. We're going to see that word life over 36 times in the Gospel. So we're going to be talking about this some more. John writes about Jesus. So the unbeliever will believe in Jesus and receive eternal life. And those of us who already believe, John wants us to know the abundant life that comes from Jesus. So there is something for all of us in this Gospel of John. The word is life. And it says that the life was light. The word is light and Jesus brings light to us. Light is important for life. We all know that. Light is important for physical growth. 
I have a window in my house. It gets really great light. And there I put all my plants because in that light, they grow and they flourish. And how interesting during this pandemic that we've learned vitamin D helps prevent and it helps us to get well from COVID-19. And D3, this vitamin D3 comes naturally from sunlight. I kind of just have to tell you, it sort of cracks me up. Every time I talk to my mom, she says, well, I was out in the sun without my sunscreen, just like the doctor said. I think she thinks it's pretty funny that um, now we're saying go out in the sun without sunscreen after all these years. Light is important to our physical health. Light is important for our emotional health. People who live way up north with very little daylight in the winter, they can become depressed. In fact, they have light boxes that they sit in front of for a certain amount of time every day. It helps them emotionally. The light helps them. We also know that light gives clarity. It helps us to see clearly, not only physically, but mentally. Light is understanding. Like when we finally understand something, we have that little light bulb that goes off over our head. Light means understanding or truth. And moral light is purity, holiness. John tells us the word is light. John gives, Jesus gives us light, light to live by, physically, emotionally, mentally, and morally. We need light. We need Jesus. So let's look at verse five a little, little bit more here. It says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. You know, it's amazing how a room can be pitch black and you turn on that light and the darkness disappears. Even if you light a small candle, it's amazing how much light it gives out. Light dispels darkness. I love Christmas Eve services because that's what happens. You're in a dark room and that one candle's lit and then you pass it to the next person and the next and the next until all the candles in the room are lit and that room is so bright with that candlelight. Jesus, the light shining in the darkness. John loves contrasts. And here we see his first contrast, light and darkness. He uses contrast to help us understand the meaning of something. Light, it's truth, purity, darkness. We sometimes think of it as um, false, evil. Jesus is light. And, can't, and we can't help but think that John is using darkness to personify Satan, the false, the deceiver, the ruler of this dark world. But Satan has not overcome Jesus. Darkness has not overcome the light. Let's look a little bit more about uh, light. Verse six, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. So here John introduces his first witness. We see his first witness. And this John is different from the author. This John is John the Baptist. And we're gonna talk about him more next week and in the weeks to come. And in your study questions today, you may have learned that he was sent from God as the forerunner to Jesus. And his job was to get the Jewish people ready and prepared for the coming of Jesus. So this makes John the Baptist a perfect witness to testify Jesus 
is God the Son who comes into the world as the true light, bringing life and light to everyone who would believe in Jesus. The Word is light, and Jesus brings light for us to live by today. Verses 10 and 13, look at that. We're going to see another contrast. Verse 10 says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So here we see another contrast, and John is going to use this throughout his gospel. This is a preview of what we're going to see over and over again in the gospel of John. Those who reject the word and those who receive the word. The unbelievers and the believers. And verses 10 and 11 are so sad to me. Jesus comes into this world he made to his creation and and to his people. First of all, to his people, the Jews. They were looking for him. They were looking for the Messiah. They knew the Old Testament prophecies. They knew the Messiah was coming. He would be born in Bethlehem. And guess what? They did not recognize him. They did not recognize him. They did not accept him. They did not believe him. They did not receive him. Instead, they rejected him and ridiculed him and mocked him and tormented him and persecuted him. They rejected him. But it says to all who believe in Jesus, all who receive him, we will become children of God. Now, there's two things here to note. The first one is, it's nothing that we do. It's not the family we're born into. It's not our will. It's not our flesh. It's not our power or our abilities. God grants it. Jesus gives us the right to become his children when, and here's the second thing to note, when we receive him. Receive and believe are very similar with regard to our relationship with Jesus. Receive indicates, and, and I, I like this, so listen carefully to this, uh, this definition here. Receive indicates a conscious response to an informed awareness. A conscious response to an informed awareness. It's not just blind faith. It's knowing and accepting and believing and receiving Jesus. Not a philosophy, not a tradition, not an organization, but a person. Jesus, the Son of God, the Word. Now, the Greeks here, as they hear this, they must have scratched their head and thought, hmm, a person, not a philosophy? You know, that is what makes Christianity different from every other uh, religion or philosophy or tradition. It is a relationship with a person, Jesus, the Son of God. Have you received Jesus? Have you believed in his name? I hope you have. I pray that you have. But if you haven't, I pray that as you read through this gospel of John and you see Jesus, I pray that you will believe in him and become a child of God in the family of believers. Let's go on here and look at verse 14. It's the most amazing verse. It's my favorite verse in the whole prologue, probably the whole book of John. 
Look at verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So beautiful and profound and awesome. The word, Jesus took on flesh. He became flesh. He was born flesh. The uncreated, eternal God, Jesus, at a specific time and in a specific place, took on humanity. He left heaven. He left glory to dwell among us, to live among us. That word dwell, that word literally means to pitch a tent. Jesus moved into the neighborhood. He came to live among us, to give us life and light. The word communicating to us so we could know him. You know, when we think of pitching a tent, it kind of reminds us of the Old Testament, the tabernacle, and that is where the glory of God dwelt among the Israelites. We know that tabernacle above the ark and really probably above the tabernacle was the glory of God, that Shekinah glory that was shining. All the Israelites could see it. And it sounds here like John is overwhelmed by the glory of Jesus. He walked with Jesus. He lived with Jesus. He talked with Jesus. He saw his glory, Jesus' divine greatness, his moral splendor, And maybe he's even thinking here of when he was on the mount um, at the transfiguration. Matthew 17 tells us that Jesus' face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light, the glory of Jesus. This verse also tells us that Jesus became fully man. He also was fully God, the only son through the father. He is the son of God and he is God the son. And he's filled to the brim with grace and truth. Those are attributes of the word Jesus. Grace. Now, grace can mean loving kindness. It can mean a free gift. It can mean favor, God's favor. Truth means reality, genuine. The word is the glorious son of God, full of grace and truth. And let's look at verse 15. I I, I, I love this verse because um, John, the author, he's got it in parentheses. He can't help but bring uh, John the Baptist back one more time to witness. It says, John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. So John the Baptist is saying, Jesus was born after me and his ministry came after my ministry, but he ranks before me because he was before me because he is God. He existed before the beginning. Fully man and fully God. What an amazing truth this is. We we can't even really comprehend Jesus being fully God and fully man. And then look at verse 16. It picks up where we left off in verse 14. That verse 14 said, full of grace and truth. And verse 16 says, for from his fullness, We have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Moses gave God's law all the commandments in the Old Testament. But Jesus came to perfectly fulfill the law. Jesus will die on the cross as our sacrifice, shedding his blood to pay the penalty of our sin once 
and for all. The law highlights God's justice and holiness while Jesus comes highlighting God's mercy and his love and his forgiveness and eternal salvation. And it, when it says there in verse 16, from his fullness we have received, Jesus is filled to the brim. He is not lacking. He is never going to run out of power and strength and grace and love. He is filled to the brim. He is all we need. Jesus is sufficient. He is sufficient. And that phrase there, grace upon grace, that literally means grace in place of grace. It's grace replenishing grace. From the fullness of Jesus, we receive grace after grace after grace, favor, blessing, love, over and over, grace after grace. A beautiful visual for me is the ocean. Wave after wave, never stopping, wave after wave. Over the holidays, I had the great privilege and the great joy. I love the ocean. I had the great joy of being at the Atlantic Ocean and also being at the Gulf of Mexico. And in both places, as I stood on the beach, I watched the waves coming in to the shore, wave after wave, sometimes crashing waves, coming in, sometimes just gentle waves, lapping, but always wave after wave, never stopping. And as I saw that and watched that, I considered God's grace in my life, God's grace coming over me like the waves, sometimes crashing over me, giant blessings, sometimes just that gentle, sweet love and grace of Jesus coming over me, wave after wave after wave. And the last verse, 18 says, no one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. The word reveals God the Father. The word, Jesus, is the expression of God. Jesus is the communicator of God. Jesus is the language of God. We're kind of back where we started at the beginning. Jesus, the language of God. And as we study John this semester, all these truths about the word that we have looked at today, we are going to see them repeated and explained by Jesus. He is the word. He is the language of God. So as we study John this semester, I want us to look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. He reveals God. You want to know God? Look at Jesus. Listen to Jesus. You will hear God. You want to know what God is saying to you? Listen to Jesus and you will hear God. And believe Jesus. Believe him. Believe what we read and study. Believe in Jesus. And you will experience living abundantly. The abundant life. We're going to talk a lot about that this semester. What is the abundant life? You'll also experience Jesus Walk with Jesus, you're walking in the light, walking in light. Jesus can show you the path that you need to be on. Jesus can show you clearly. He can give you understanding. And you will also experience receiving grace upon grace upon grace, love and favor and blessing, grace upon grace. This is Jesus. 
the word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, God the Son. Father, thank you for Jesus, the language of God. Lord, I pray today for everyone that is part of this study as we look through John, Lord, that we would see you, that we would hear you, that we would know you better, that we would walk with you more closely. And most of all, Lord, that we would believe totally, wholeheartedly in Jesus. We love you, Lord. Thank you so much for this day and these women. Just bless us, bless us mightily, grace upon grace. In Jesus' name, amen.